0: Growing up in the Midwest, you went for a walk outside and there was a dog in the yard. It was going to chase at you and bark and scream and be very angry and violent.
1: It happened in New Hampshire, too.
0: You walk around New York and there are dogs on the street and they just like politely nod, like, good morning, and walk on by. You
1: discovered screen. (laughs) I did. I did. (laughs) At my new internship thing, I've been doing a lot of work on command line stuff. That, I mean I I usually have done work in command lines, but I've literally been spending eight hours a day sitting at a command line and it just sort of happened that I was like, I, I use this thing sometime to talk over serial consoles. I know it can do crazy other things. Well so
0: explain explain to the viewers who may not be up to date on nineteen eighty-seven technology what uh, what okay. screen is.
1: Okay. So here here's how I discovered and now use screen. Mm-hmm. So screen is an application that is built into to most Unix platforms nowadays. It comes pre-installed in Mac OS X and it comes pre-installed in Ubuntu um, and a lot of other flavors of Unix. Um, and originally, all I knew that it could do was talk to serial devices. So if you, you run like screen and you point it at your serial port, What is, you can what talk-
0: is a serial device, Alex?
1: A serial device is a weird thing that you sometimes see on, like, devices from the 90s. Well, (laughs) no, actually, you can still get, like, if you buy a projector, it'll have, like, a serial control port on the back of it. Mm. I mean, it is really old, but it lets you send low-level commands, and it lets you just sort of see what a device is doing. It's very useful when a device is booting up, um, because you can see a lot of messages go by before it's, like, had a chance to initialize the 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 screen or initialize the network stack or do anything but basically power on right um and so i use use screen a lot to like watch things as they boot up Um, and then i was sitting at the command line and i was like i need to open two files at once how can i do this i was like wait screen can split things and so what when you have A terminal on like a unix system and you don't have like a window manager you literally just have a bunch of text on a screen Mm -hmm. Uh, then screen can be useful to split that one terminal into multiple terminals yes which is all i really use it for right now there people do all sorts of crazy things with it you sent me a screenshot on twitter with like a million things going on (laughs) explain explain what you've been doing well so uh
0: two things first off if you're trying to open two files, that should be something that you're doing in your editor, not in yeah,
1: screen. Yeah, but like screen was the thing I wanted to use.
0: Well, fine. So yes, I sent you a screenshot and it is not screen uh, because screen is 1987 technology. Okay. And is old and terrible. Um, yep. No, no, no. Screen is actually very, very useful. One of the things that I found particularly nice about screen is that... Um, one of the just obnoxious problems is that if you spin up, like, a very tiny web server or whatever inside your terminal, and then you log out of that machine, then everything that you started dies. <laughs> just dies. It just dies.
1: Gone you forever. Know,
0: and you, so you can, you can go ahead and write what's called daemon scripts that'll go ahead and take the process and move it outside of your terminal into its own little bit of the machine where it can run happily forever and ever, whether or not you stay logged in. Screen... You can detach from yeah and it will keep running which is a wonderful thing it used to be that you know i would go ahead and and log into remote servers places spin up a screen instance and then just set it up so that whenever i log back in it would reattach me to that screen session Mm -hmm. and so you know i could basically have this whole environment i could log off or disconnect or my internet could die or whatever i could jump back in and nothing disappeared which is great
1: yeah, I'm not sure I've disconnected my SSH connection in, like, a week. And they're just connected to a, a switch on my desk, so... Okay. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't really had the need for uh, persisting sessions.
0: I mean, every so often there's just, like, obnoxious packet loss or, you know, whatever. And then you're like, I had 87 things happening, though, and they're all dead now. Because I dropped my connection.
1: Knowing me, that will probably... Well, I'll be fine now, because I've been running everything inside screen... But that would that would happen if I was like building something. Oh, look! It's compiling. It's ninety nine percent done. Oh, right. And packet lost, and everything is gone.
0: Exactly. Um, in addition to being able to split things, you can also set up multiple. Uh, I, I don't remember what the exact term is, but effectively multiple tabs, so that you get you know, can you can basically just switch, you know, from from different environments which is nice. If you don't need things that, need, that are side-by-side, side, you can just, you know, mm-hmm. I've got my first screen that is three different splits, and then a second screen that is something else, and, you know, such and such and such.
1: So, Do you do most of your work from inside uh, Terminal Editor as well, then?
0: Uh, yes, almost exclusively. Okay. I mean, other than having to use a browser to look at the results of a lot of what I do, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's pretty much it. Occasionally, I'm in Photoshop for slicing up some, some mocks, but that's about it. Okay. Hmm. Um, and just about everything that I do is inside the terminal. And what I what I screenshotted you was not actually screened. This is Tmux. I've heard of that as well. I have no idea what it is. I have emailed you the book on Tmux. The book on Tmux. You, you should have a copy of it because it is very, very good. It's by uh, my mentor, uh, Brian Hogan. One of the things that I really like about Tmux is in addition to having... Um, you know, general configuration settings that you can set up. You can also set up project level settings, which is something mm. that I do a lot. So basically, I say I want to work on this application. I type, you know, I type in a few commands, and all of a sudden, I now have seven windows inside this one terminal that are split the way that I want them, and that are running all of these background processes that are necessary for me to work on that particular. So the screenshot I sent you was an example of, I had up uh, you know just a dummy JavaScript file and a test for that JavaScript file. And then in a separate mm-hmm. pane, I had uh, a linter, which is a, a tool that you can use to kind of syntax check and make sure that you're not doing anything particularly stupid in your code. Um, and then automatic uh, rerunning of tests as well.
1: Oh, automatically rerunning. So as you change things in your software, like... How often does it rerun?
0: Uh, on save.
1: Okay, on save.
0: Yeah, so anytime I anytime I make a change, um, all of a sudden it'll go ahead and the, the linter will run, which is just, you know, it'll go through and say, you probably need a semicolon here, or you shouldn't use this syntax because it's outdated, uh, or particularly buggy, or and you can set up all sorts of rules with that. Um, and then the test will also run and go, oh, this part broke. Based on what you last did, so I no longer have to you know stop editing what I'm doing to go ahead and run tests or anything like that. I can just edit, and then you know at any point in time and go like, okay, save, and then all those things will go ahead and rerun across the entire suite, and I know okay, it works or it doesn't or whatever. Hmm. That's pretty cool. So yeah, tmux is the way the future, and it does. It's basically just screen but extended. Um, I think screen. Okay. Trying to remember, for a long time it could only do one sort of split.
1: Uh, yeah, it, well, hmm, it's weird. Some versions of screen allow you to enter the command line and run split with an argument, so you can get a vertical split, which will cut your screen, you know, up up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like the left side of the screen and the right side of the screen. Mm -hmm. uh by default it will just split horizontally so you have you know half the screen on the top and half on the bottom which i think is less useful
0: yeah generally that's not what i i tend to want if i you know if i want two things side by side i want them side by side (laughs) yeah you know because you're using them you're looking at one as a reference while working in another that sort of thing yeah it was Um, exactly that yeah um so no i've got i've got tmux set up that basically with the with you know a particular keystroke i can go ahead and just quickly split vertically i can quickly split horizontally i can resize all of those i can set up a new tab where i can run other things um it's great and of course i use that along with vim which has all of that stuff inside the editor vim being a text and file editor tool yeah with all of its own happy crazy config stuff
1: V- Vim has a particular cult following around it. I guess Emacs does too, <laughs> but Emacs, I has, don't know. Emacs has more of a
0: cult following around it, I would, yeah, I would almost argue. But that's it's a, a
1: smaller cult following. It's a smaller cult following, but they're more dedicated.
0: It is a smaller but much louder cult following. It is the Free Software yeah. Foundation uh, fanatics that are very very sad with uh, internet these days.
1: Uh, it's too slow. The, that's the big problem with the internet. It's too slow. Not according we to Free need, Software Foundation. We need gigabit inter- ethernet yeah <laughs> we all have a gigabit ethernet we need gigabit e- internet. i always mix those two words up they're too they're too similar whoever decided ethernet was a good idea looking at ui triple e for a naming <laughs> thing actually probably ethernet came before
0: internet well now i'm curious as to whether internet is actually like a sanctioned word under any sort of registering body or if it's just the cultural term that we've ended up you know, I mean, it
1: must be. I mean, it stands for internet work, right? I, I would, I would have to imagine that's an official term now. I need to look this up now. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: I'm googling Wikipedia internet, which is probably the most surreal experience
1: I've had in my life. I I wonder which word came first, internet or Ethernet? Kind of like the chicken and the egg problem. Well, I mean, mm. is Ethernet? Not, not I don't even I don't know. Ethernet. I would
0: imagine that well we I, I would imagine we at least had networking prior to Ethernet. Because Ethernet was a standardization of the cable that we used for handling that sort of thing.
1: Well Ethernet isn't necessarily the cable itself. Like you used to be able to do Ethernet over like different types of cables. You used to have like Ethernet Oh, oh
0: yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, so internet so- is derived from the internet protocol suite mm-hmm which uh it's so hard to figure out where darpanet ends and
1: the internet begins it, yeah there's yeah. no like there's, why isn't there like a big battle or something that we can say like this was the turning point and then all of a sudden like i don't know i don't know well remember i we, we stopped not saying
0: internet for a long time it was it was just the web and the World Wide web uh was Wait, the big thing i I don't remember that, Kevin. Well, you are way too young.
1: <laughs> I'm only not that much younger than you, Kevin.
0: I have okay, so I have no idea. If you yes, if if uh, if any of our listeners think that they know when we definitively definitively call started calling things the internet, and when we definitively started calling things Ethernet, and want to tell us which came first, feel free to write in and let us know. Yeah,
1: especially on an iTunes review.
0: Yes, absolutely. iTunes reviews. I went in. I gave. I gave us five stars. I was I, tempted to take off a star. Um, okay.
1: Did you write anything?
0: No, I did not. Okay. I felt that might uh, th- that might display my bias.
1: I I wrote a very biasy thing that hasn't been posted yet, so maybe oh, you know, it's is actually like <laughs> a review committee that looks over iTunes reviews. Well, you're in no way
0: associated, according to what they know.
1: Yeah, well, that's very true. Unless you are weird... doing
0: voice pattern matching across other internet things, or other web things, or
1: other ethernet things. <laughs> other ethernet things? Yes. Maybe it's the ethernet, not like ethernet, but like the mystical, magical ethernet. There we go. Well, that's this the thing. Was was we need time. to get
0: rid of the internet and the web. We should just start calling everything the ether. I think the ether would be a much cooler name than the cloud. Where did the cloud come? Who came up with that? <laughs>
1: Some guy who was, like, laying on the ground and looking up and trying to decide how to name something, and it floated by, and he went, okay, we'll go with that.
0: Actually, this brings up a point where I was talking with my parents, and I don't know how this came up, but they mentioned they were reading in some article, and it said IoT. Okay. And I went, what the heck is that? And I said, it's the Internet of Things... And they said, I, that still doesn't answer the question. I'm like, yes, you're right. <laughs> Internet of Things is a terrible, terrible term. It explains nothing about what it's talking about at all. And yet we're yeah. now at the point where we're like, all right, this is a terrible, terrible expression. But now we're just going to acronym it because for some, like, we're, we're not even going to give you the terrible term. It's good. Oh, yeah. Just think about IoT. You're like, What?
1: Yeah, it's not even like a pronounceable. I know there's a difference between an unpronounceable and a pronounceable acronym. I don't know. What the the difference acronyms is.
0: are pronounceable and the initialisms are not, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, so it's not even an acronym. Right. Because I, I, like, I-O-T, like, how do you even yeah. say it? Yeah. We got to get some yeah. more
0: I-O-T going on, man. Yeah, we There's was we not enough I-O-T need... at, C, at, at CES. CES?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> there were smart glasses, though, at says. Were
0: there I, so I I had a I don't know I tried to just avoid clicking and reading all of the link baity articles and then I went looking I was like can can I get like the article that's just the hey we know you didn't want to read all of the other stuff here's like the ten things that you should know about what happened this past week of spam like <laughs> and I couldn't find yeah. a good one
1: yeah uh, neither could I I just happened to click on things that I particularly piqued my interest. Um, smart glasses are something that I really kind of want to try out. Um, unfortunately there weren't like any real products there. It was just a couple of different companies who had smart glass screens. Mm-hmm. So they had the screen part. They did, they were missing like the hardware and the operating system. And they just had like a little demo reel that was like ah. literally just playing a video on the screen. Right. So yeah, we're, we're, we're still a little bit ways off from that.
0: So tell me if this is, I don't know if this is true for you, but I have been, it, 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 when it comes to technology and space and a lot of things, I've been progressively more disappointed.
1: What do you mean? Or less
0: excited, I guess. Um,
1: did you did you not see the the video I just posted okay, I did, about uh, we'll, space? We'll, we'll,
0: we'll get to that. We will get to that. Okay. But in so okay. the thing about space is that I, I've been reading some old sci-fi stuff from you know the '60s and 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 earlier, and they're mm-hmm. so freaking excited man, I would love to be that excited. They're like, we're going to go to Mars, and there are going to be Martians, and we're going to have space battles, and things are going to be amazing. And now we're like, <laughs> Mars is mostly dead, and the planet, the, the, moon, is going to, the moon is going to break up and, and destroy everything. The moon,
1: what? No one is no, saying not not the, that, No, Kevin. the moon,
0: of, the, the, which I, I can't remember which one. It, maybe it's Dennis. No, Dennis is a small one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I, yeah, Phobos is breaking up okay. and will be gone eventually. And like yes. there's there's no way to make Mars habitable and you know There's totally space is just empty and dull and dying and eventually we're gonna get to the heat death of the universe. Sad. And in technology I've not been excited like they're always oh we're gonna have a keynote and they're gonna go here. It's a minor improvement and the battery is still <laughs> terrible. I'm like, alright, I'm glad I tuned in for that one. <laughs> um Or the Consumer Electronics Electronic Show, where they're like they're like, here's a demo of something that we maybe could do one day. I'm like, that looks like I a mean, good idea. Are you doing it? So like, no. Check back okay. in like ten years. This is this is like crazy impossible. And I'm like, well, why? That, I mean, is, that's always been a problem with CES. Well, yeah. So this is my proposal: is that Alex, you and I need to start up not a consumer electronics show, but like a real electronics show. Basically, something that is restricted to only things that you can ship or are really cool DIY hacks. Basically, like ninety-five percent <laughs> of the conference is random stuff people did with the Raspberry Pi. <laughs>
1: But that you can now do yourself. They've yes. released the code. So yes. A- anything you see at this conference, you can have.
0: Yeah, exactly. Assuming you have the money. Like the, assuming cause you cause have that's the money. Thing, it's like you look at the, you see, yes, like this, and you're like, okay, that looks kind of cool enough to get excited about, and I can imagine ways to make it better and ways to play around with that. And then, uh, can I try it? Nope.
1: Well, you know, I mean, you can try it while you're there, right, if you right, go there.
0: Right, but it's not something that, that could have an impact on your life in any reasonable time frame.
1: I did see one interesting thing come out of CS that will be out this year. Dell had an OLED monitor, Mm -hmm. and it was like five thousand dollars. And I was like, I will never buy that. It 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 is available, (laughs) and you can buy it, right? right? So and it is gorgeous. So where would that be allowed at this this show? Is what I'm asking. I guess, but
0: I'd want to keep that to. That would be the. That would definitely be not the majority of things. I mean, basically, I, I want I want the people who are reading the news stories or who go to the event to have license to be excited. Okay, It's like if they're if, you know when someone's like, hey, we made this really crazy car and it's seventy thousand dollars, cool, but it doesn't matter. I am sure like it matters to some some one person. It does not matter to most of us. If someone's like, hey, we figured out this really cool way to do this thing with a raspberry Pi, so that you could have a butler that makes your drinks now. Like, that's cool. Like, cool. I'm, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But I could be excited about it. Like, yeah, we're living in
1: the future. Are you subscribed to, like, r slash Tesla Motors on Reddit? I No. Because literally, like, half the posts of that are, hey, look, I bought a Tesla. <laughs> literally. So it's like. Like, could you imagine if R slash like Apple was like that? Hey, I bought an iPhone. But this is the thing, Raspberry Pi.
0: So this is Like Tesla is doing some wonderful things. Like I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna denigrate them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I bought a Tesla is a news story. Means that it's not <laughs> a product that changes yeah. people's lives. This means that the fact that you could afford to purchase something is like a story and an event means it's not exciting it's not exciting this is supposed to be the consumer electronics show not the like internal one-upmanship show (laughs) Like it's like as a consumer i should walk away going oh my god i'm so excited i want to buy all these new toys i'm like nope there's nothing that i I, most of the stuff i can't buy and the few things that i can i won't because they are ridiculously expensive
1: I mean, you can tell that this is what CES was about by the, the whole point of when they held it. They held it in January. Oh, yeah. The furthest point from <laughs> when people buy things. Uh, yes. Possible.
0: Right. But, we, but, we, but there's a gap, Alex. This is all I'm saying is that there should be some. Subs- and and if, if that's the case, then why are people reporting on it? They're reporting it for consumers. There needs to be some sort of thing that is devoted toward consumers that are excited about technology that can be excited about the technology that exists and is usable and affordable.
1: Yeah. People are going to this and, like, posting about it because, you know, places like Engadget and The Verge need to make money. Right. And that that's basically why CES exists.
0: Well, right. But I mean I want yeah, I want I a thing know. that I can be excited about. I mean and, and the thing that's interesting to me though is that I've not been excited about um Google or Apple keynotes either. Like that used yeah. to be the case. Mm. Like it used to be you tuning and you're like oh, yeah, whoa, absolutely. mind blown. That's incredibly cool. It is pretty expensive, but oh man, one day I'd really like to get one of those. These are things where I'm like, eh. I so don't know.
1: So occasionally when apple does announce their new like laptop lineups like when i got pretty excited when apple released their new macbook like the little one like mm. i I, res, I i it's not personally a product that i can use <laughs> um but it was like i'm really excited about this product it's really cool it has like i can see where they're going to take this technology and put it in like this is the, the this laptops that i do is, use but this is
0: this is like the the takeaway from everything I'm not, this doesn't work for me, but I'm excited because I can see where they might be going with this one day. Like that is, if I were to summarize CES and every keynote that I've seen in the past yeah. five years, that would be yeah. my takeaway.
1: <laughs> so the last, last time I was really excited for things with two things that stick out in my mind. One, Google, when they uh, really announced their Google Glass mm-hmm. um, and I had the person skydive in, <laughs> I was like, holy cow, right. that's amazing. I'm excited for this. Yep. And the second one was when Apple announced their Retina MacBook Pro, which I think both of us are using right now, basically. Uh, uh, yes. Like they had it rise out of the floor <laughs> and like there, there'd been like rumors about it. So like I knew what was coming and I was like, yes, Phil Schiller's on stage. It's happening. <laughs> High resolution is here. To me, though, yeah.
0: I, I was less excited. I, I, I'm thinking like I want an iPhone or iPad launch, please. Mm-hmm. The Apple Watch was not that. Like there's because no? it's it's a it's a hey remember that thing that everyone's been you know kind of releasing their own versions of we're releasing our own version of it hooray yeah um, yeah no
1: I agree
0: you know there's so, and the MacBook yes the Retina MacBook is a great thing and it's wonderful but it is also just a further iteration of something that exists
1: at the time it felt like a giant leap forward like they got rid of the disk drive. They made everything thinner. It's light. It has good battery life. It has a high-resolution screen, dedicated graphics. Like, it was everything I wanted at the time, and I was very excited. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, well, yeah. No, I mean, if this is something we are like, yes, I am looking for exactly this version of something, and I want to buy this, and then, yeah. But I, I wasn't the... I just... I don't know. I don't know what the future looks like, but I haven't seen it recently. <laughs> it feels yeah. like things should be moving even faster and faster. I mean, that's been kind of the telescoping nature of technology up until mm-hmm. recently, and now it's just, hey, it's a slightly better iPhone than the last slightly better iPhone or a slightly better Android thing than the last Android thing or, you know, a crazy car that you can't afford, but now that the rich guy who's not quite as rich as the richest guy you know can afford. Like... <laughs> it's yeah it's very yeah. minor improvements and i it makes me sad because i like being excited about tech and i feel like that's not being it doesn't happen anymore
1: no i definitely agree i I found myself checking tech blogs less recently mm-hmm. like over the past year or so i don't know if that's more of me trying to filter out more news and filter out more noise right. as it is being generally like seeing the industry move forward but I've definitely noticed that. Like, I have less tech blogs in my, like, bookmarks and stuff, and I check the ones I do check less often.
0: Right. I want there to be a keynote that people are talking about for the next two years. Like that's all, and I don't care who makes it. It could be Bezos. I don't know. I like, guess yeah. I just I want something to be super excited about again, because I'm feeling like I'm just becoming like this tech cynic who's like I'm reducing, getting rid of things, and I'm trying to down to just like the few devices that i want to have now and hmm.
1: yeah so you just want to be surprised and by something right like yeah you want to use someone to come out and announce this cool thing that you've never thought of before and do it in a really memorable way
0: i want someone to come out and i want to basically i want to walk out of a keynote or close the keynote live stream and i want to go <laughs> holy crap we're in the future now you you know what i mean by that sensation though yeah no i agree um and i just i don't think that has happened recently at all um when was the last time
1: you remember it happened
0: um i I mean i think the iphone was to some extent
1: that um yeah i mean i think part of that was how jobs presented that right He had the the three things and Mm -hmm. like the cube and then like the audience suddenly realized it was the same thing
0: but i don't feel like i'd have walked away from the apple watch launch Oh, with no. that attitude, even if Jobs had hyped it up. Well, like, and I think, it, granted, granted, to be fair, if they had found a way to, like, bring him back, then yeah, i had been, wow, <laughs> we're definitely in the future now. Like, I'd be very, very excited I've talked about that for a very long time.
1: <laughs> the apple, I don't die. Right. <laughs> That's what it's going to be called. I live, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, but
0: okay I, so to to get back to space i can't believe we didn't talk about this last week alex
1: i don't know what is wrong I know. with us
0: oh my gosh so um for those of you who for whatever reason don't care about the awesomeness that is space and somehow didn't hear about this we landed the first stage of the falcon 9 rocket
1: yeah we did it we, we were we were directly alex responsible I for it
0: personally launched and recovered a falcon 9 rocket first stage yeah we did it It was great took a lot of raspberry Pis. they were like daisy chained we had a whole bunch of networking was crazy lots of ethernet (laughs) going on we we literally just
1: had an ethernet cable going up to the rocket exactly we could tell it to turn around like we had to wrap it in
0: aluminum foil so it wouldn't get burnt up by the heat and stuff (laughs) (laughs) re-entry
1: Yeah, it was great. It was sh- it, it helped to have it shielded, too, because, you know, like, we didn't want stray photons or nonsense messing up our signals.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So, if you didn't see, there's a great video, which I'm sure Kevin will put in the show notes. Yes. Hint, hint, Kevin. I, I've um, always put things in the show notes. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't know. I decided to make <laughs> it more obvious because I didn't want you to forget this amazing video. Um, that really made me want to, like, go work for SpaceX. Right. Like, I know, it's great. So there's a great video, Um, the Falcon 9 rocket, which Tesla has, not Tesla, SpaceX (laughs) has launched many times before. Musk (laughs) Industries. Musk Incorporated has launched many times before, Um, but this time they had the first stage booster after it sent off the second stage and sent it into a successful orbit. It was like, hey, I don't want to fall in the ocean this time. I want to come back. So it, it... Came, it started whoa, 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 falling whoa, 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 back. Whoa! I think we be
0: burying the lead if we have a, if we have an artificially intelligent first stage booster. That is an even bigger story.
1: And now I'm going to go. Okay, we're in the future. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I'm not convinced it was un unintelligent. <laughs> so it burns itself in a heading back towards the launch site, and then it shuts off the engine, and then it waits until it gets just like close enough to do a suicide burn. Right. So it it lights up the engine at the last possible moment, burns it, deploys landing legs, and lands. And it it worked. Yes, it's great. It is insane. It's the and greatest thing like
0: I ever. I gotta be honest, Alex. I watched the video and I cried.
1: I didn't cry like a little I, baby. I did open the SpaceX careers page and then went. <laughs> I have a job on the other side of the country. Wait a little bit. Yeah. Oh man.
0: I Yeah, I would like to work for them. That would Why don't be cool.
1: you? You should, you should work for them. I don't care. think anybody can afford both. to work for them. <laughs> I, th- their average salary is $103,000 a year is in that LA. True? Yeah. Okay, maybe. That's the average software engineering salary. People complain about SpaceX salaries. Well, so, yeah, I, I've heard I mean, that
0: basically the salary is really bad, and then just the working conditions and stuff are incredibly, oh, the incredibly condition. stressful.
1: Um, yeah, the working conditions are very stressful, but the pay isn't as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's it would be bad if they were in San Francisco, but the cost of living in LA is significantly less.
0: Yeah, I mean it's still it's still not great, but yeah, that, I mean that's a reasonable salary, I think. Um, yeah, but I yeah I don't know that I could handle the stress of. Oh man, can you imagine like just being in the launch control
1: room when the the rocket? Blew uh, up? I imagine that all the time.
0: No, but not oh. not the not the good one, the, the bad one.
1: No, I mean, I yeah, that would be interesting too. I would I would want to be there if it blew up because that would be interesting. Did I heard I heard from some friends um, who you know either work at SpaceX or know people who work at SpaceX mm-hmm. um, that after that happened, everyone who worked at SpaceX like went dark. Like stopped like tweeting oh, yeah. and talking to their friends. It was like all hands on deck, twenty four seven for mm. weeks.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I imagine that's got to be. I mean th- that that's because that's that's probably not even just a company policy thing, but it's an FAA policy thing. Is basically you are not allowed to have outside communication until yeah, you know such and such a time.
1: But they were all working the whole time as well. well yeah, so it's not <laughs> not like they had free time to be taught like. I, the way I heard it was that they were, not, not necessarily because of regulatory, but they were just so engulfed in their work right. that they had no time to really communicate with anyone else. Right. Um, that, was the first, that was the first one that I watched live. Oh, good job, Kevin. I know. Good this is the thing. Job. I was like,
0: oh my gosh, I caused this thing to
1: explode. I don't know what happened. Um, i really want to see them do it on the barge now the barge well, would be so see, cool that's the
0: thing that's interesting to me is because it feels so the basically spacex has, has made two different has taken two different strategies to to recovering their first stage one mm-hmm. is to you know basically it gets up it launches off it's it's uh not the payload but the second stage um and then the first stage Turns back around and lands back, you know, near the near the launch pad on a flat kind of secondary launch pad, yeah. a landing pad. Um, the second strategy is that they have this drone barge that is enormous that just flies out into the Atlantic. It doesn't fly; it, it floats. No, it flies out. It's they not use, like
1: the Shield's helicarrier. No, they just
0: duct tape a whole bunch of first stages. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay,
0: no. So it, I mean, right. it, yes, it, it it sails out. <laughs> to the, the the atlantic so that basically the you know the the rocket can fire up and then doesn't have to turn around just doesn't make orbital velocity and then falls back down and then does the same sort of suicide burn thing now they've had failed yeah. attempts with with that strategy i don't know that they've had a failed attempt landing back on no, land
1: I'd- I don't think they have either. I mean, the the problem with landing on the barge is that like you, the ocean is moving up and down. Everything's all wobbly, so you have to really get it perfect right um, immediately. And I mean, the other thing is, I think there's a less tolerance for fuel error. Like, obviously, turning around is burning a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, So fuel. this is
0: the thing that doesn't make sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. It feels like, like if you you know basically the you that landing on the barge is much easier from a fuel conservation perspective
1: right yep and and i don't
0: understand because yeah you've got to turn around you basically are not only canceling out your vertical velocity well gravity cancels that out but you're having to spend fuel canceling and then reversing your lateral velocity yeah okay now we're going west instead of east um which is kind of crazy whereas i don't know know, how far basically if you're just going to this barge you're like we're going to space oh never mind we're just falling back a little bit and then you land yep you don't yeah. have to, you know, exert no. the extra fuel to do that.
1: It's definitely a lot more sensible to have the barge. It's just a lot harder. Mm. Um, it only works on certain orbits, basically to turn around.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, so turning around is is only an option on certain orbits. Like, I think their next launch, um, they ha- they're going to try the barge again because they just don't have the fuel to turn around. Right. Um, so I, th- they have a whole bunch of la- launches scheduled for the coming year. Um, and they're predicting they'll have like twenty of these like reused boosters ready to try out <clears> and <throat> actually use them again. Uh-huh. They're not going to reuse the first one. They're going to dry fire it, I think, tomorrow mm-hmm. um, in Cape Canaveral and just make sure everything's working. Uh, I think, and then they're going to put it in a museum. Um, well, because that's the big test, right? I mean, the
0: whole the whole reason for doing this is so that you don't have to, you know, I I mean, I guess, I think they tried to recover first stages with parachutes, like, not not SpaceX necessarily, but they've tried to recover first stages, empty, spent stages with parachutes, and with very mixed results, because basically, if you don't get to it in time, usually it's in the ocean, and doesn't float very well. (laughs) Um, And then
1: water's all inside it, and it's just a big mess. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, So, you know, if you can recover the thing, basically the the whole idea is, hey, look, we don't have to build a new booster. We can just use this one again. That's, I think, probably the bigger test than even just getting it landed because the cost savings come from being able to from being able to reuse these
1: things. Right, exactly. Um, And so this one's not going to get reused. They're going to test it to make sure they could reuse it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then assuming like that goes well, then like one of the next ones that they're going to land back again when they have other launches that meet the orbital requirements to be able to turn back around. Um, They're going to probably run one of those up sometime later this year. right? Because They're supposed to get like 23. There's like 23 planned launches or something that are going to follow this orbital trajectory that allows recovery. Mm -hmm. But I want to see them do the barge. I really want to see them do the barge. Well,
0: that brings up the second point, though, is that to me, it feels like the land landing, there is a lot... That, that seems
1: a lot more dangerous. I mean, it's more dangerous, but they did it in Cape Canaveral. So, like, Where there's people not a are. lot of people. There's not a lot there of were, people. No, only the people who know about rockets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of them. I mean, it wasn't Houston.
0: Still, though, I don't I mean, Do you know what I mean, though? Like, I would have expected yeah. that they would solidify the barge thing just because it ain't going to hurt anybody if it goes wrong. Like, they're. Well, I can. Maybe I just have an overactive imagination or uh, or I'm just pessimistic about, about the tolerances or whatever. And I'm sure that they they had some sort of auto-destruct so they could have, you know, persploded the thing if, if they knew in okay. advance it was going to yeah. be a problem. But yep. I just would have imagined that basically getting the, the barge landing first would have been kind of the, the natural progression.
1: Well, here's the thing. They've never missed the barge. It's never right. just gone, like, down into the ocean. Right. They've always hit the barge. Right. So... I, I would say they they had arguably perfected the landing well enough to be able to. They we're going to hit this landing pad. It may have a lot of burns on it when we're done. Right. But we're going to hit the pad. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think they had perfected it enough. I mean, obviously, the, their first attempts were on the barge right. for reasons. So right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. A, that's a fair point. Actually, I think the first barge landing, they
1: simply ran out of fuel. That they, they did. They well, they ran out of I think hydraulic fluid or something for like the um some of the regulators and stuff that help adjust the positioning. I don't know how they ran out of hydraulic fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, but they I think they ran out of hydraulic fluid like it developed a leak or something. Okay. Um, so they put a lot more hydraulic fluid in. Man, that's just got to be so crazy. I
0: know. Like calculating, calculating a suicide burn in Kerbal Space Program is really hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what I want to do? I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. Um, I want to... I know there's some mods and stuff for Kerbal Space Program that allow you to, like, stream in serial commands. Here we go, serial again. So you can have, like, real, like, physical controls for your Kerbal Space Program. I want to do that, except instead of having physical controls, I want to have, like, an Arduino or, like, a Raspberry Pi and, like, write a rocket control computer. Alex, this is what KOS is. (laughs) no i understand that but i want i want a physical one that like i could unplug from Kerbal space program and plug into a real rocket and have it fly it
0: well what you want to look at is krpc which is the python bindings um to that okay. though i probably wouldn't invest too much time into it until the next version of yeah KSP, that, yeah no that's going to be soon and everything 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 is going to break yeah all of they're the moving to 64 are going to have bit. problems
1: Yes. As we alluded to in our last podcast, they're moving to 64-bit.
0: Yay, KSP 64
1: Do Does there a release like, window for that? No,
0: no. Okay. You will know maybe a day in advance.
1: Well, sometimes we used to know a week in advance. Like Scott Manley would put up his video, and then you kind of knew it was coming.
0: The That generally was because there were late late bugs that delayed oh, release. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I've gotten so better at that. Ideally,
0: thing. you will know a day or two ahead of time. You may, yeah, you may know a little, you know, a little earlier than than they might prefer.
1: <sighs>
0: yes, yeah, space. Okay, so actually, I wanted to ask you uh, if I can if I can draw you into your future prediction antechamber. Okay, um, all right.
1: My future prediction <sighs> amphitheater is
0: ready to go. <laughs> what is what is the future of getting passengers to space look like? Like twenty, thirty years down the road, when we have a, sta- a station. It's like a hotel. Yeah. Like, when it's just a fun thing that you do on a whim. And it's like going to okay. Vegas. What does that look like?
1: Okay, so you go to your nearest spaceport. Okay. It'll be like an airport. It'll probably convert a lot of airports, or the airports will add on spaceport capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll get in something that looks like a Star Trek shuttlecraft, and it'll be powered by the EM drive, and it'll just jet on up.
0: All right, so the EM drive will never, ever have a... An- <laughs> no. You can you can argue the EM drive for fuel efficiency. You could never argue the EM drive for thrust. It does not have anywhere near enough thrust. To you just use
1: like a multi terawatt beamed laser power. That doesn't a... No. <laughs> I mean, yes, if you if you sent like terawatts and terawatts and terawatts of beamed power to a large EM drive on board a ship. Alex, so we're talking about the real hypothetical future,
0: not the hypothetical
1: hypothetical future. I mean, I can. I, I, that's what I believe will happen in the next thirty years. You think that the My EM drive is fifty fifty point zero one percent chance of happening? What? 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 <laughs> I, I think it has slightly better odds than fifty fifty of happening.
0: The, the, within twenty and thirty years, you expect the EM drive to be to be stronger than Earth's gravity
1: when you beam it terawatts of power via a laser. Yeah,
0: and and this, and we also have so much power that we can afford to use it that way
1: oh yeah yeah fusion okay within 20 to 30 years fusion. there'd be like tokamaks at um every single airport <laughs> to beam all this power to the the shuttle all right so, so now i'm, I'm curious like
0: are you trolling or is this legitimately what you i think? am
1: only half trolling okay um <laughs> i i i do oh. actually think it, that is a conceivable future that could happen. Oh,
0: no I, I mean i'll agree that it's conceivable i, I guess my I, I should back up the question and just say like what is what would you think would be kind of the first commercial uh space travel mechanism that doesn't require um you know six months of astronaut training basically the thing that becomes the commercial shuttle that doesn't require prep on the part definitely of the virgin NASA. galactic
1: virgin galactic i think their model is probably, I don't know, they've been, have some setbacks. They had that terrible accident Mm. a few years back, or I think just last year. Um, But their model of, like, taking you up in an airplane and then shooting, like, a rocket plane out of that airplane Mm. is, I think, a pretty smart model. um, Because, like, you go up pretty high in, you know, by conventional means, and then you don't necessarily go up to space like I don't think it will work to get to a space station. It'll work to get to like high altitude balloon level, so like you can see the curvature of the Earth and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get to places like a space station, I do think SpaceX will probably be the first to do anything commercially. I mean, are you? But
0: I guess the question is: Are you thinking that it will be um, this type of of rocket system, like a, a you know, traditional rockets with recoverable stages?
1: Yeah, I do. I think it'll basically be their Falcon um with a dragon capsule on top and all the stages will be recoverable. Mm. Um and it won't be cheap and it won't necess- it won't be like at every airport, but you can go to like Cape Canaveral and then right. you know spend like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and go up to the International Space Station or the SpaceX station Mark V. I'm trying to think. I think the
0: right now what is it that NASA pays uh, Russia for Soyuz seats is it like a million five
1: yeah I, it's, per, I mean if you if you, you if you won this lottery that's being drawn tonight <laughs> for 1.5 billion dollars you could certainly go do that Alex
0: did you buy uh, a lottery ticket
1: I uh, did not good I, okay have I'm, you, I'm have very have proud you, s- of you Alex have, have you seen those websites I love these websites Mike Ragnetta of PBS Idea Channel has been tweeting about uh, particularly one a lot lately lets you like simulate like thousands and thousands of years worth of buying lottery tickets <laughs> he had he ran one for two hundred thousand years and never won the jackpot oh, buying man. one ticket every drawing so twice <laughs> a week
0: well see that's the thing is i will say i will not begrudge people that bought one ticket i will inwardly sneer at people that bought more than one ticket yeah, because like, to yeah. me, one ticket is buying yourself a license to legitimately fantasize that it's possible you could have a windfall.
1: I mean, I have more fun fantasizing about the UM drive. That's <laughs> way more po- probable.
0: No, but I mean, like, I can understand the desire to purchase you know, for that particular yeah. reason. Investing yeah. money with, the, with any sort of sense that you're going to get any sort of thing back, that hurts my brain.
1: Well, okay, so I will say one thing about this, this particular drawing. This was the first time in U.S. history where the expected um, outcome of buying all the tickets, all of them, mm-hmm. um, even after taxes, still is higher than huh. uh, what you would pay for all the tickets. Because you, you, you can exhaust all of the tickets by buying 2 million, $292 million and change tickets um and at 2 dollars a pop it's a little le- less than 600 million dollars at a 1.5 billion dollar um, why, jackpot why, why hasn't anybody done that then um because if someone else wins then you split the money and you've lost <sighs> oh, millions of dollars right right
0: right right okay
1: yeah that's that's why you don't just go buy all the tickets um is because on the the chance that someone else has the winning ticket you've just lost so much money right um but if no one else wins and you buy all the tickets, then you're gonna make like twenty five million dollars or something. Huh. So it's the first time that's ever happened. Uh eh, it's interesting. Actually, I would be interested to know. Um I would
0: be interested to see some sort of site that's simply tracked because I don't particularly care what the jackpot is. I just care about mm-hmm. the the probable return. I mean, which is which is, which um, is always gonna be like a you know, 0. 000 whatever. But I, I would love to be able to see, you know, that wow, there is a $5 jackpot on this one but nobody bought in. This is actually the smartest lottery investment that you could have ever made. Like I'd love to be able to see something like that over time.
1: Well, the odds don't change like if one person buys tickets versus a million people buy tickets the odds don't change. Cuz they they're only they draw oh, right, 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 all right, right, the right, right. numbers. But,
0: but the, you can but you can have duplicate tickets.
1: Oh, so, okay. So yes, you so
0: can. your investment does change like if if two people buy then there's a slightly higher chance that you know even if you win you don't win you split it
1: well if, if you buy one ticket and you win 1.5 billion dollars I'm no, so I was sorry about you the have to $5 split it. scenario <laughs> oh okay
0: no but like for imagine you know imagine if everybody on the planet bought a ticket yeah well then you know you could find yourself splitting your 1.6 billion with 10,000 people You know, if everybody bought a a huge amount of tickets or something like that, so it could be the sort of thing where the expected reward is less than it would be on something that was a smaller jackpot but had fewer people buying tickets. So I'd I'd just be interested to know that um, that adjusted number.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I know people calculate the expected value of buying a ticket all the time. Um, That frequently goes above positive. Um, So the expected value is just the probability of winning multiplied by... The amount you'd win subtracted or um and you subtract from that the probability of losing multiplied by the amount you'd lose. Right. So when the jackpot is big enough, um it, it's able to cancel out the fact that the odds are so little mm-hmm. and you wind up with like, if you buy this ticket, the expected value of return is two dollars and four cents. Right.
0: Like, but that doesn't include, include the ever... probability of other people also winning, which is a fact. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, and I
1: think that's what you're asking. Yeah. So I, the model yeah. is wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, so I mean, the, the I don't know. I have. I generally tend to be hostile toward lotteries. I think yeah, that they I, kind I, of exploit I, the fact yeah. that humans are really, really, really bad at intuitively understanding statistics. Even statisticians yeah. are really, really terrible at intuitively understanding statistics.
1: Oh yeah, like humans are bad at understanding numbers like greater than a thousand. We're bad at understanding like, numbers greater than four. I think I think we can at least go up to ten.
0: Well, no, see, so the well, no, because then you're at the point where you are actually chunking. Like they've studied this that basically. If you look at, I think it, I think there's actually to some extent they put this into IQ tests, um, or at hmm. least they did for a while. That basically, if you're looking at items that are you know scattered on a table, that we visually chunk them into. Okay, that's four and three, so that's that's seven items. Whereas that we can well, intuitively weird. go? There's four things. We don't group them. As we're counting, but if I were to lay out like a hundred skittles and ask you how many there mm-hmm. were, Alex, you'd logically start to group things into the discrete colors. chunks, or yeah, the colors, and then you'd go ahead and and, and total those up. But you can't intuitively grasp a hundred things.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um, and for most people, I believe it it's somewhere between four and seven is kind of the cap of the number of things they can intuitively grasp without reducing it into components of you know three and four or four and five or whatever
1: okay i'll believe that that makes sense that's interesting because i I always just kind of arbitrarily heard and then just believed that it was a thousand i I think i guess that makes more sense
0: (laughs) i think a thousand was like the cap of people that you can know okay maybe all right i'm trying to remember where that uh, because no a thousand sounds familiar too but I i thought
1: it was something else Right, I mean, we're definitely bad at numbers greater than 1,000. Like, dealing with 292 million is just, like, un- unreasonable. No one could ever do that. Right.
0: Well, you know, I think, I don't know. I Like, I see these studies, and then I wonder, like, well, maybe it's just a matter of your point of reference. Like, if you work in HR for a you know, fancy startup, and you're like, okay, all of our developers are 100,000 a year, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it's a million jackpot. Oh, wow, so that's that's 10 devs. That's 10 dev years, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, before benefits, so it's probably well, less than <laughs> right. Than, uh, but years. no,
0: but you know what I mean that like if you if you just happen to have particular numbers that um you know are are meaningful to you. If you have like this number, you know, the average full-time employee salary is such and such and then you can understand things with reference to something else. I mean, obviously it doesn't help you understand what a million is, but it helps you understand like this is roughly the value that I could get out of a million dollars like I could have 10 people work for me for a year
1: but like 10 is a number we can understand so we we're only understanding it by proxy right just representing it as things that we understand right
0: yeah I don't know lotteries lotteries kind of bug me
1: (laughs) yeah I I don't know if I like I guess I don't see a reason to get rid of them Um, I don't necessarily think that i don't know the fact that they go to education is like mm, if they like went to anything <laughs> else but education i'd be like no get rid of them
0: the, but they go to ideally, cancer research and all. was like no enough of this we're not gonna have people spending yeah, money on yeah. cancer research shut it down well, joe,
1: Bi- joe biden's <laughs> in charge of that now so we should be fine um but like the lottery should now be a self-fulfilling thing like it, it should disappear if it if it's working well, right? Because it's going to educate people better so they know about statistics and therefore don't buy... I don't think
0: statistics. that's... The, I mean, basically, our, our understanding... I mean, they, they've done studies about intuitive understandings of, of, of numbers and, and statistics. Like, there was a... I think it was in um, Thinking Fast and Slow, they talked about the study that they did where basically they, um, they pulled statisticians by having them review a whole bunch of um, academic papers and ask them if if the results were legitimate based on the sample size that was shown. Mm-hmm. The statisticians got it wrong all the time too.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> like mean because we
0: don't have an intuitive like you go okay, I want to know if um this drug cures cancer, I'm going to test 30 people. Is that enough to know that that's a reasonable you know, that's a reasonable I thing. No. I don't well. I mean, I don't know at all because I have no idea oh, okay. about experimental statistics. <laughs> but what? I, but the point is that even the statisticians who did this sort of research intuitively in that environment, they, like they were, you know, given the opportunity to read it and then needed to, you know, give kind of their gut reaction within a short time frame. Um, okay, so totally was it gonna, like calculate. Things? Totally got it wrong. Well, I I, I don't remember exactly the specifics of oh, okay. of the experiment, okay. but the point is that it's not just something that well, if we were just smarter we'd understand stats better or even that if we were more, you know, better educated in statistics, we'd understand it better. Um, it's, you know, a problem with just humans living kind of in the middle between tiny things and big things and not having a, an intuitive. We really
1: are. We are really like in the middle, like we're like the same distance away from like an electron as we are like the sun. Right. Right. We're like in the middle it's weird.
0: Well, though it's entirely possible that the sun is tiny relative to something. it could just be that that's well, it is. you know, a bias of our own perspective as well. But in the same way that, you know, we don't have any intuitive understanding of x-rays. The only way that we understand x-rays is by taking all of those uh, all of those points and shifting them down into the visible light spectrum and they're like, "Oh, so yeah. it's like this by analogy." Yeah. You know, and no, you're it's, right. you know, it's exactly the same thing with numbers that we think about 1 billion as being, okay, that's 10 of these things. Or, you know, you, you shift it into the frame of reference that we do have a grasp of.
1: Like, and it's it's like we can only see one, like, slice of the fourth dimension. It's time. We just, we don't see all of time at once. We just kind of Wait, see. Maybe you don't
0: see all the time at once. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see Kevin. tons of time, man. Ke- Kevin, if you can see more than one time at once, why haven't you bought a lottery ticket?
0: <laughs> well, also, if time... Well, because I know that way too many bought the right number, and so it wouldn't be worth the $2.
1: <laughs> what? What? How is it? What? So you, you think that, like, seven and a half million... 750 million people bought the right ticket?
0: No, 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 no. It's a fifth of that, but they all bought five tickets. With oh, the same, okay. With the same number, so...
1: okay why would they ever do that
0: why well so they get a bigger slice of the pie when they win they also can see time like i can
1: (laughs) okay all right whatever (laughs) I, i think we should be using your power for good but whatever
0: i'm not entirely convinced that time is a dimension given how subjective it is that it kind of falls out of other properties. I'm not sure that it are really you works got, as a dimension. Are you
1: disagreeing with Albert Einstein,
0: That's Kevin? It. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pointing out Einstein to refute your perspective on it. It would work if the dimension oh. were consistent across reference frames. Time is not consistent across reference frames. Yeah, yeah. And correct. so I'm not sure that it really works as, as a dimension rather than just a, a property that falls out of you know, other properties within the three dimensions. I don't dispute that there are other dimensions. I just don't know that I would consider time to be one.
1: I, I remember a string theory used to postulate that there were 11 dimensions, um, 10 of space and one of time. And I never really could grasp that. I mean, they were conceivably rolled up and just stored away in some weird <laughs> way, but I never, I never understood it. I never understood how there were 11 dimensions. I liked the fact there were 11 dimensions. I... Like to spout off that information that according to string theory, there are 11 dimensions because I thought it was really cool. I never understood why that was the case.
0: See, I feel like this is roughly our uh, our relationship with science. It's like roughly, we've, yeah. we've heard things and we're excited to be able to share those things. We don't really understand what those things mean, but we can slowly start to draw analogies between those things and other things. And start to try and get a clue of what might be going on. But we have no background in any of this, obviously.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, That was something I tried to understand, though. Like, I spent time reading into it, and Mm -hmm. I just never got a better understanding than there are tens of space and one of time. There
0: are four lights. Right.
1: There are four lights. Yes, (laughs) there are. Now, you just made me think of that stupid dress. What have you done? What? That stupid dress, you know, that no one could tell what color it was oh yeah that was yeah that was fun know. that was not fun it, I, it was a year ago how was that already a year ago i don't know what is up with this weird dimension of time <laughs> why does it go so weird it's not
0: it's a it's an emergent property
1: <laughs> emergent
0: property of the dress
1: <laughs> it's
0: emergent property of, of gravitational fields and causality
1: i do you think we'll ever have like we're going back to gravity plating <laughs> but do, you, do you think? Do you think? Do you think
0: this is the most linear? This is the most linear causality-based podcast we've ever done.
1: <laughs> I agree. Do Do you think gravitons are a thing and that we'll ever control them?
0: So, explain to the dear viewers what you mean when you say graviton. By okay. which I mean, explain so, to me what you mean when you say graviton.
1: So, when you turn on a light, you can see things because photons are the carrier packet for the electromagnetic spectrum. So. Photons carry the information about the wavelength of light away from the light source, okay. reflect off things, and reflect into your eye, and you pick up them. Um, and you can see. Mm-hmm. Gravitons are the carrier signal for gravity.
0: Oh, right, 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 so right. So right.
1: when things have mass, gravitons are emitted, and like our bodies and other massive objects pick that up and know to be attracted to them. Right. It's the way I understand it.
0: Right. No, there's a, there's a great Vsauce video, what if the sun disappeared? Yeah. Um it yep. shows this diagram of, you know, the basically Jupiter would still orbit where the sun was for a long period of time because Jupiter wouldn't oh, yeah. know that the sun was gone. Like it would still be experiencing the propagation of gravity. Not that it wouldn't know, that's a, trying to personify things that are not, but
1: Well, I think I think that actually ties into to this Overstanding question of this podcast What is information? Because there's a (laughs) physics, there is physics notions of information, and like maybe gravity is just information, it wouldn't know not to be attracted to where the sun is because it doesn't know the sun is right. I
0: mean, gravitational waves do propagate at the speed of light. Um, so yes, if the sun disappeared, Pluto would uh, still spin around the sun for you know a reasonable amount of time,
1: like a day. No, I mean, not forever. Not a not a plutonian day. Not a like plutonian day. day.
0: But yes, but it, you know, basically the the time that it would take for light to get from uh, from the sun to
1: Pluto. Yeah.
0: Um. Which is which is interesting. So yeah, I mean, there's got there's some. I don't know what the mechanism is by which gravitational waves are propagated. It, I mean, it could be that there's some yeah. sort of particle. Well, fundamental so- particle that corresponds to that.
1: We, we don't know. I mean, if we did know if there was a fundamental particle that transmitted information about gravity, like a graviton, um, that would unite the four fundamental phys- theories of physics. You know, the weak force, the weak and the strong nuclear force, electromagnetism, and gravity. um, have never been unified um, right. into one sort of underlying theory of everything, which is what string theory attempted to do, um, although it's had some problems. But it's it spawned new theories and... Um, It has child theories that are perhaps more promising. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's a very commonly referred to fact that the last thing, like Einstein's greatest unsolved problem was him trying to unite uh, gravity and and the electromagnetic force into some sort of underlying thing. Like Maxwell united uh, electricity and magnetism into his set of equations, Maxwell's equations, um, and he united them into the electromagnetic force, which has just a simple set of equations to describe all those forces. And in fact, you can do that um, with the weak nuclear force and the strong nuclear force, as well as electromagnetism. So all three of those can be described using a fundamental set of theorems. It's easier to learn about them separately, but there are theor- fundamental theorems that will describe all three of those forces. Is the Higgs you field... Can't,
0: what, doesn't the Higgs field... So the Higgs field
1: imparts mass. No. Yeah, the the Higgs field isn't Gravity though. So the Higgs not- field has to do with why things have mass. It doesn't have to do why that mass then attracts to its to other sources of mass.
0: Okay. I don't know. Any of the things. <laughs> so okay. No, you so, do you? Know so, no, so you had a question about gravitons though, like specifically.
1: Right. I I don't know. I was I I was asking whether or not you, you thought that gravity gravitons existed and if we'd ever be able to like harness them to be oh. to have like things like anti-gravity do, do you think that's like a, a technology we might ever see i don't think we'll ever see it i, I, I don't think we'll live long enough
0: I, oh no i don't think that we will live long enough to see it if it if it happens
1: but i think barring uh, the matrix
0: i mean the the idea though is that gravity is a property of mass and not some sort of dish i don't know
1: okay i, yeah, I was just curious
0: yeah, I've, I have no idea. I wish I understood physics better. But like, I you know, I whenever I go ahead, and I'm too. like, I should learn physics. And they start off with like, here's a spring and potential energy. I'm like, this is not what this is not physics. This is boring physics. This is like person walking on a train <laughs> while the train is moving. How fast do they go? This isn't this isn't what I signed up for. I want to learn about the Higgs field and the quarks and the gluons and the dendrites and.
1: The so I'm things. pretty sure you have to start with math. I'm pretty sure you have to learn a lot of math first well, yes. and learn that.
0: Well, I think part of the part of the thing as well is that a lot of physics is taught, um, it's kind of either side by side with or before uh, people take calculus in their curriculum. So a lot of it is yeah. kind of restricted yep. to the subset of physics that can be understood without um, a heavy dependence on calculus,
1: which is really weird considering how big a deal they make out of Newton and like <laughs> Newton realized all of his things because he was making calculus, right? Like, he was coming up with the laws and theories of calculus. Well, it's also like Um, you can't go from,
0: like, acceleration to velocity without calculus. Like, it it, it puts a very big damper on what you're able to do in kind of introductory physics courses without going, we're sorry, we're just full on calculusing.
1: (laughs) This podcast feels very rambly. (laughs) This one? Yes, this one in (laughs) particular. I can't wait to see how you edit it.